Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, more than two million women have left the workforce over the past year, and the pandemic is not the only reason. We take a closer look at the cause of this attrition, along with strategies for employers to bring women back and keep them once they are back. Also this morning, who knew? The latest analysis of motor vehicle reporting data reveals that Ohio drivers are among the rudest in the nation and the worst drivers of all. And we have something new to try in your air fryer, highlighting this week's collection of recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Friday, March 26th, 2021. And you know what we say, there is always a reason to celebrate, uh, always, every day, uh, something worth celebrating, and today is National Make Up Your Own Holiday Day. How about that? I love it. Uh, make up your own holiday day today. So whatever it is you feel deserves to be celebrated, today is the day to celebrate it. And if you are not particularly creative, it is also National Nougat Day. Where would we be without nougat? Now, there is something worth celebrating. Half the candy bars on the planet would go away if we didn't have nougat. So, happy National Nougat Day. It is National Spinach Day. Forgive me, but I'm more excited about National Nougat Day than National Spinach Day, but there it is. It is Solitude Day which is a day to just spend by yourself in solitude. Not that, not that their uh, organizers here are discouraging socialization, but sometimes you just need to get away. And spending a day in solitude is not a bad thing. So that's the idea behind Solitude Day. Legal Assistance Day, big shout out to all of the legal assistants. And it is Purple Day, celebrating not necessarily the color so much as dedicated to increasing awareness about epilepsy worldwide. Uh, purple being the every uh, condition has their own color with their own ribbon. And today is Purple Day for epilepsy awareness. So there you go. And if you don't like any of those, it is National Make Up Your Own Holiday Day, as we mentioned. So President Biden yesterday... Uh, just a little over two months into his presidency, held his first presidential news conference. And uh, reporters were firing questions at him. One of the most interesting was he was asked if he plans to run for re-election in 2024. And of course, there has been speculation. There was speculation from the very beginning when he announced his candidacy that he would be a one-term president. He's 78 years old, and they're thinking maybe he would not run again in four years because of his age. But he said, my plan is to run for re-election. That is my expectation. He did leave himself an out when another reporter suggested he was definitely running. He responded by saying, that is my expectation. I'm a great respecter of fate. I've never been able to plan four and a half, three and a half years ahead for certain. Biden seemed to be annoyed with the line of questioning. And honestly, uh, I was a bit annoyed. I didn't watch the, the press conference, but I was reading some of the press coverage of the press conference afterwards. And I'm thinking to myself, can we just 
can we just have a few months where we don't worry about the next presidential election? <laughs> I mean, let's, can we at least give it to, say, June? That's, that's all I'm asking. Six months uh, after inaugurating a president. For six months, let's leave it alone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just, just give us till June, July, maybe the end of the summer, and then we can start talking about 2024. But anyway, when he was asked if he expected former President Donald Trump to run in four years, he said, I don't even think about it. <laughs> I have no idea. He's I don't know. Sometimes some of these uh, reporters questions, just give us six months of not having to worry about who is going to be the next president. Let's just focus on the one that we have. Uh, speaking of politics, uh, the uh, big tech CEOs are on Capitol Hill yesterday testifying before a, a congressional committee. That would be Mark Zuckerberg, Facebook, Sundar Pichai of Google, and Jack Dorsey of Twitter. Uh, they were talking about extremism and misinformation on social media. And this is one of the interesting takeaways from that. A, one congressman offered an idea of how to deal with the bipartisan concerns about social media. Representative Peter Welch, Democrat of Vermont, suggested a new federal agency be created along the lines of the Federal Trade Commission uh, under the Securities and Exchange Commission. Uh, he suggested a new federal agency to provide oversight of social media companies. <laughs> Do we really need another federal agency? Uh, he said that uh, the agency would employ policy and technology experts who could deal with a wide range of issues that pertain to social media. Um, he asked the CEOs what they thought about the idea. And uh, Mark Zuckerberg said it would be very effective and positive. Uh, Jack Dorsey, Twitter, said he would have an open mind, but it would depend on the details. Devil's in the details, basically what he said. Which isn't that the case with every federal agency? Devil's in the details. And uh, Google CEO Sundar Pichai said he would defer to Congress on the matter, but he did agree that expertise is needed in the field. So, I don't know. Could we see a new federal agency overseeing social media? I can't say that I would think that that would be a good idea. I just don't know. Rutgers University said yesterday that uh, they will require, and I think this is the first college to go on record with this policy, Rutgers University said it would require all students to be vaccinated against COVID-19 before they arrive for class this fall. Uh, Rutgers, of course, in New Jersey said in a statement that they were uh, led to make the decision by the government's assurance that there will be by that time enough vaccination for all Americans. So basically, they said students will have no excuse. Now, they will grant medical or religious exemptions in certain cases. The executive vice president for health affairs at Rutgers, Brian Strom, said the vaccines are the key to, quote, the return of campus instruction and activities closer to what we were accustomed accustomed to before the pandemic, unquote. Interesting, though, that they are 
like I said, I think this is the first college to require the first major university to require the vaccine to go on record as saying you're going to have to have the vaccine if you want to come back to class. Now, what do you think about that? I'm sure others will follow. And also among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy news stories. Did you see this? Speaking of the vaccine, office supply retailer Staples say they will laminate your COVID-19 vaccine card for free between now and May 1st at any of their stores nationwide. (laughs) Of course, uh, the only trick will be finding one that's still open. But, you know, they say they will laminate your vaccination card for free. Of course, you have to have had the complete vaccination, you know, both doses, because if they laminate it, they can't indicate on the card that (laughs) you've had the second dose. So uh, once you've been fully vaccinated, you can take your card into any Staples store through May 1st and have it laminated. And I and I looked at that and I thought, is is this going to be this? My my thought, this is going to be the big fad that five, 10, 20 years from now, we're going to look back at and shake our heads. Everybody's got to have their laminated vaccine card, vaccine cards. That's going to be the lingering punchline <laughs> of this pandemic, I think, is how crazy everyone was about, I got my vaccination card. You know what I mean? I just have a feeling that that is going to be the the big thing that uh, you know people are going to go crazy over. So I guess we'll, time will tell. Five years from now, uh, we'll be back, and I, I can tell you I, I told you so. Anyway, there you go. That is uh, some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories. The first things you need to know. Get your Friday morning started. WFIN News, I'm John Marshall. The WTOL 11 first alert forecast. Mostly cloudy, windy today with high 53. Partly cloudy tonight with low around 40 as winds diminish. The area's COVID-19 situation is the same this week as last, according to the Ohio Public Health Advisory System. Hancock, Seneca, Hardin, Wood, and Wyandotte counties continue to have high incidence of spread and remain at a level 3 or red on the dashboard map. Allen and Putnam counties continue at level 2 or orange on the map, though Putnam County has again eclipsed the high incidence threshold. Allen County Public Health will begin weekly mass vaccination clinics March 31st. The events will be held each Wednesday through Saturday and will be offering the Johnson & Johnson single-dose vaccinations. Registration is strictly through the official statewide scheduling system. Find a link to that on our website. The state auditor says the Ohio Health Department should begin releasing data on coronavirus deaths in two categories. The report from Republican State Auditor Keith Faber says that not making the distinction between those whose deaths were caused by COVID-19 and those who died of other causes but also had a positive test may lead to confusion as to whether someone died by COVID-19 or died with COVID-19. Faber says that while the state follows federal guidelines for coronavirus death reporting, some medical professionals may fill out death certificates for people who have died of other causes while also testing positive for the virus. The Hancock County Sheriff's Office will be adding patrols this spring. The boost is in conjunction with high school proms in the county. The department hopes to reduce accidents that would mar what would otherwise be a season of positive memories for high school students. 
The sheriff's office also encourages parents to discuss the dangers and consequences of impaired driving with their students. School proms in Hancock County will take place each Saturday from April 24th through May 15th. More than two dozen scientists from a variety of universities in Ohio recently gathered at the Hancock Park District's Oakwoods Nature Preserve just west of Findlay to develop a monitoring program for the wetlands that are being implemented as part of the state's H2 Ohio initiative. You can get more on our website. For WFIN News, I'm John Marshall. Well, yesterday we were talking about that study on women, leadership, and missed opportunities. The fact that the pandemic has shown a light on a problem that already existed and has certainly been exacerbated over the course of the past year for women in the workforce. The fact is that more than 2 million women in the U.S. have left the labor force since the start of the pandemic. And as we said yesterday, we need them. Companies with a diverse workforce are more productive and more profitable in the long term. So the question obviously then becomes, how do we get them back and how do companies retain them once they are back? Debbie Carew is founder and CEO of Inspired HR, also a premier partner with the Sheryl Sandberg Lean In Foundation, by the way. And Debbie, why have so many women left the workforce since the pandemic started? I'm, I'm sure that there are lots of reasons, but what are the most significant ones? Chris, I would, I would say there are two. First of all, this pandemic and quasi-recession has seen different industries impacted than ones in the past. And disproportionately, it's been the ones where lots of women work there. So hospitality, hospitality travel, leisure, education, healthcare, lots and lots of women work in those sectors. So from a furlough and elimination of jobs perspective, they've been hit really hard. But the other reason is because disproportionately women tend to have other duties outside of the workplace. So whether it's raising children and having most of that burden themselves or taking care of elderly parents or just plain old housework, the reality is is women have a disproportionate amount of burdens on them, which is making it really challenging to balance work and life outside of the workplace. And again, all of those things being exacerbated, uh, problems that already existed but have been exacerbated over the course of the past year. So what then can employers do to structure jobs in order to attract and keep women employees? I would say there's two, Chris, that are really the big ones. Number one is flexibility. And yes, remote work is great. So I think we all realize that not every industry you can have remote work but just flexibility more broadly. So different hours of work potentially or different kinds of vacation policies, letting people work from home sometimes when they need to or sometimes working in the evening if it's possible. I mean, some of that flexibility doesn't cost the employer anything, but it really helps you attract and retain great people. So I think that that's really one of the big ones. Um, The other one is, is to seriously look at remote work. Do you need everyone in the office in a traditional form? like you wouldn't have had in the past. So really evaluate that and say, when do you need people in the office and when can you be more flexible? You point out that these are things that employers can do that really doesn't cost the company money in order to accommodate and in many cases may actually save the company money because you're going to, in the sense that you're going to uh, potentially improve productivity ultimately. Yeah, 100%. And one of the things we've seen over the last year is businesses that have had people working from home uh, have actually seen an increase in productivity, up to 30%. In fact, it's significant. 
The problem is it's not sustainable. I think people are actually working too much and too hard from home right now because they're trying really hard to prove that they are working hard. But there's no doubt the productivity has not declined with people working from home. An interesting observation there with respect to uh, we're actually uh, working harder. We talk about working harder and not smarter, and we're uh, working harder at, at home, maybe not smarter. Uh, the other part of this, uh, and, and again, it has long been known that the size of the paycheck is not the only thing or even the most important thing that attracts good employees. And here is a prime example. You say it often comes down to innovative benefits that employers can offer to female employees. Yeah, absolutely. Intangible and intangible. So some of the tangible ones are things like whether there can be child care subsidies or helping give a stipend to pay for summer camp. But some of the other ones that really help life balance that don't cost a ton are potentially a discount on home cleaning services or having dry cleaning in the office mm. or uh, sort of investing in coaching, whether it's around work-life balance or time management or speaking up for what you need. Some of those things really help the employer and they pay off in spades. As we mentioned, you are uh, founder and CEO of Inspired HR, which in and itself is a workplace. What are you doing to empower women uh, in the workforce? How, how are you leading by example here? Uh, so a number of things. And many years ago, we actually went to an optional remote work environment because we really didn't feel we needed everyone in the office all day, every day. The other one that we introduced as a test that ended up actually working out really well is we actually do unlimited vacations. And what we found is people don't take more vacation. They take time off differently. So, for example, we find that a lot of our workforce takes long weekends or the odd day here to sort of volunteer at their children's school or to have a family day. Um, we found some of those things work really well. And then the other one that I think every business could adopt is to measure performance by objectives and deliverables, not by FaceTime and how many hours they spend in the office. Because ultimately, as a business, if you can measure your productivity through what people are actually delivering, not what you think they're doing, uh, you're going to be much further ahead. A lot of innovative thoughts there, some of which may be rather scary there, the idea of uh, unlimited vacation. I know that uh, might be a hard sell for some em some employers, but at least something to, to start uh, thinking about. Um, you also point out the importance of encouraging uh, employees with respect to networking opportunities, joining supportive uh, communities, um, and how that benefits employees, uh, again, not just female employees, but particularly women employees. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm a huge fan of networking and not handing out your business cards so you can get business, but about having communities of peers where you can share best practices, bounce off ideas, or talk through a problem that maybe you're not comfortable talking to your boss or that may hurt your career. Having those peer networking groups really can make a difference. And in my case, a young president's organization has been fantastic for me. And it's not just a women's organization, but it's just groups of leaders that come together and they share best practices, ideas. And they really, quite frankly, they just help you know that you're not alone in this, that we're all going through the same trials, tribulations, challenges. And it just really makes you feel less lonely. Again, Debbie Carew is a founder and CEO of Inspired HR, talking about the importance and some strategies for attracting and retaining women in the workforce. Debbie, where do we get more information on all of this? 
So you can find us at inspiredhr.ca or Debbie Carew, Debbie with a Y, on any of the main social media sites as well. We will link up to that on our webpage. A lot there for employers to think about uh, right now, especially uh, given the uh, attrition that we have seen, particularly among women in the workforce over the past year. Debbie, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Chris. Well, this is disturbing and somewhat surprising, actually. A new study by the car insurance comparison platform Insurify finds that Ohio drivers are among the rudest in America. Insurify's Maya Sutton is with us this morning. Maya, are you sure you just didn't catch us on a bad day? You know, who knows, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, when we get into the uh, some of the results here, first of all, uh, explain what the criteria was uh, for this study. What types of rude behavior uh, were you looking at, and, and how did you compile the data? So to identify the states with the rudest drivers, Insurify's research team referred to our database of over 4 million car insurance applications where applicants submit their driving history, including any violations on their record. So through that, they ascertained the 10 states with the highest proportion of drivers with one or more of the following violations, failure to yield, failure to stop, improper backing, passing where prohibited, tailgating, street racing, or hit and run. And the reason why we went and chose these violations is because, I mean, obviously we all know that rude driving behavior happens on the road all the time, whether it be, you know, aggressive honking, flipping someone off, road rage, what have you. But this study investigated the most egregious and illegal forms of driving behavior on the roads to pinpoint the states yeah. with the worst offenders. Well, and it's probably not a stretch that individuals who would engage in those types of uh, actual moving violations are probably also the ones that are more likely uh, to do some of those other things that are just downright annoying. And there are uh, actually lots of surprises on this list, not only the fact that Ohio ranks sixth overall, which I, I'm sure that a lot of people would uh, not expect, but uh, the top five are very Virginia, Delaware, Idaho, Georgia, and Wyoming. So uh, a couple of surprises on that list as well. What are the most common rude behaviors that Ohioans are guilty of in this study? Yeah, so in Ohio, the failure to stop at a stop sign is the most common rude violation at a rate that's actually 34% higher than average. So the failure to stop at a stop sign, I know is generally considered a minor misdemeanor offense. Um, So, you know, not great that it's the most common, but at least it's not anything egregious and horrible that you could get a whopping fine for. Yeah, it it could be worse. It could be, we could be up there on hit and run. I mean, so there are worse things, uh, you know, but at at the same time, you know, the reason why this is, and we kind of chuckle about this, but the reasons why uh, this is important is obviously uh, these types of things do impact insurance rates, which is what you do. Mm-hmm, exactly. And I, one other surprise uh, that I thought was interesting on the list, uh, New York was not in the top 10, which clearly you did not include cabbies in the study. So, <laughs> Yeah, I know. I mean, that's just a lesson on stereotyping, I guess, right? Uh, that, that could be as well. So, uh, again, the uh, moral of the story is we have some work to do uh, in terms of minding our P's and Q's on the road. Uh, obviously... 
Uh, like we said, it could be uh, not only annoying fellow drivers, not putting our best foot forward uh, for visitors, but also costing us money uh, as well. You've got more information on the uh, study, the insights at your website, right? Yes. So if you guys want to check out more information, we also have our Rudis Drivers 2020 study as well, which Fun fact, Ohio is number six last year as well. Hmm. So if you want to check out our studies, you can just go to uh, HTTPS dot dot slash slash dot com slash insights. And that will take you to our page of all of our studies. But more importantly, what our main product is, is we're an insurance quotes comparison site that takes the legwork out of finding the best policy by providing multiple quotes in one place for free. So and- please check out our comparison generator and yeah, hopefully you'll get a good deal. We will uh, link up to that information on our webpage. Interesting stuff and and worth noting, as you mentioned, that uh, our ranking did not change uh, between 2020 and 2021. So I, I'm assuming the 2020 study compares 2019 data. So if we wanted to kind of chalk this up to the pandemic, I'm afraid we can't even do that. My goodness. Uh, again, mm-hmm. Maya Sutton of Insurify with us this morning. Hey, Maya, thanks for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you so much, Chris. And by the way, uh, as it turns out, not only are Ohio drivers the rudest in the nation, according to Insurify's analysis of the data, Ohio drivers are actually the worst drivers in the nation overall. Uh, It says in 2021, Ohioans received traffic citations 25% more frequently than the national average, making us... Uh, tops on that list as well. Worst drivers uh, overall. In fact, uh, the share of Ohio drivers reporting an incident in twenty in the past year or prior at twenty eight point one eight percent. Now they do concede that traffic fatalities in Ohio are slightly below the national average, but overall, according to the data, Ohio drivers the worst in the nation ahead of drivers in Iowa, Nebraska, Virginia, Wisconsin, Wyoming, South Carolina, Colorado, uh, Idaho, and Utah, the rest of the top 10 of the worst drivers in America. So agree or disagree, that's what the data says, not the list that you want to be out there saying, we're number one. (laughs) That's not the list you want to be number one on. But nonetheless, you can check it out for yourself at our webpage, goodmornings.net. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. And now this update of the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veteran Services. You've heard the story about that uh, long dormant volcano in Iceland that began erupting this past Friday. And uh, since then, many have traveled to the volcano on the Reykjanes Peninsula, near Iceland's capital, uh, to see it. I mean, because how often do you could see a uh, volcano, an erupting volcano, especially one that's been dormant for this long? So, but you knew that this was going to happen. You knew that someone would just not be able to help themselves. Uh, on Tuesday, Iceland's civil protection officials were seen gesturing to dozens of people to move away from the lava that was just a few feet behind them to ensure that visitors did not get, you know, melted. 
one, one of the visitors <laughs> decided to try and cook breakfast on the lava. <laughs> That's right. He could be seen uh, cooking bacon and eggs in a pan that is until the pan melted. <laughs> the pan itself melted. Officials say they don't anticipate evacuations because the volcano is in a remote area about a mile and a half from the nearest road, but they still do advise that it's probably not a good idea to go to the volcano and try and cook breakfast. <laughs> you knew somebody was going to try it, right? You knew somebody would not be able to resist. It was just too big of a temptation. Uh, maybe it's part of just being too bored in lockdown. Here is another story of somebody who is just too much free time on their hands uh, with everything going on in the pandemic. A Georgia teenager was so bored during lockdown that he decided to build a working roller coaster in his family's backyard. Ben Tolliday said he spent three weeks constructing the coaster from wooden beams, PVC pipe, cinder blocks, and sandbags in the backyard of his family's home in Sandy Springs, Georgia. Uh, he said he admits that he was at first absolutely terrified to ride the coaster, but ultimately uh, he his whole family got in on the fun. Just after <laughs> I guess they let him test it out first, make sure it was safe. But uh, there is a TikTok video of uh, uh, young Mr. Tolliday's mom riding the coaster. Uh, the teen who will begin college in the fall says he is now considering a career uh, designing roller coasters. And I saw the TikTok video. It actually is really cool. It, it looks like a real miniature version. If you're familiar with the uh, uh, what is it, the Wicked Twister uh, coaster at Cedar Point that just goes back and forth. That's kind of what this one does. Uh, it goes off the deck. Uh, and then uh, goes over a couple of uh, of bumps, uh, a couple of small hills, and then goes up uh, the, a ramp on the other side at the uh, edge of the backyard and then slides back down and it just kind of comes to a stop eventually there in the uh, in the middle. But it's, it, it's really cool. It didn't wobble or uh, anything. It looked pretty, pretty cool. Roller coaster in his backyard. That's all kinds of awesome right there. Elsewhere in the broken news, apparently the state of New Jersey, I don't know if they have a law against this, but apparently they do not do not want people proposing in the food court at the mall. And uh, recently, uh, footage of a young man allegedly proposing to his girlfriend in the middle of the Menlo Park Mall food court went viral on TikTok. After she rejected him, he gets down on one knee, he produces the ring, he pops the question, everybody around is looking on in great anticipation, and she says no, and walks away. Some people have been speculating that the whole thing was just a prank, but uh, the official Twitter account of the state of New Jersey chimed in on the matter on Wednesday, the governor of New Jersey tweeted, quote, Please don't propose to people at the Menlo Park Mall food court. Is there some kind of law against this? I, I don't know. But uh, anyway, the official state of New Jersey uh, Twitter account, they say, don't do that. I don't want you proposing at the mall, apparently. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why. 
A motorcyclist in Canada is facing charges. Ontario police say they pulled over the driver because the license plate on the motorcycle appeared to be hand-painted and it was misspelled. <laughs> if you're gonna if you're gonna fake it, you should at least get your spelling right. Um, it, uh, I guess, the uh, license plate or the fake license plate uh, said Ontario on it, but the slogan at the bottom of the license plate said "Live Free or Die," which is the slogan on New Hampshire state license plates. And it was missing an E in the word free. So live, fray, or die. <laughs> Police f- shared a photo of the plate saying they gave the driver an A for effort, but an F for spelling. <laughs> they should have arrested him and charged him with just being stupid. A Florida woman could spend up to 60 days in prison after pleading guilty to intentionally coughing in the face of a cancer patient, Deborah Jo Hunter was recorded berating employees and coughing in Heather Sprague's face at a Pier 1 in Jacksonville last year. She got upset that she couldn't return an item that she didn't even have with her, and she wasn't wearing a mask at the time of her tantrum. <clears throat> throw her in jail and lock her in jail and throw away the key. And finally, in the uh, broken news this morning, this is weird. A Northeast Iowa teacher is charged with assault after being accused of biting a student on the arm. A criminal complaint claims Anita Smith, the Starmont School District in Arlington, Iowa, bit a 16-year-old student's arm last week. Smith, for her part, claims she was (laughs) role-playing. What role would you be playing there? Uh, I'm playing the role of a complete idiot. There you go. Uh, That is today's broken news report. Brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. You can help recognize outstanding teachers in Findlay and Hancock County. Nominate a current teacher who made a difference in your life for the Findlay Rotary Club's Golden Apple Awards. Place your nomination online at findlayrotary.org. Nomination deadline is April 2nd. Please promote the work, dedication, and achievements of all teachers by nominating an excellent teacher for the Golden Apple Awards. This message provided by WFIN. There is nothing like uh, the aroma of a candle to relax at the end of a long day. And Miller Lite is waxing nostalgic for a simpler pre-pandemic era when bar hopping after work was no big deal, raising a glass to bubblier times with the return of normalcy in sight as the distribution of the coronavirus vaccine continues. Miller Lite, a subsidiary of Molson Coors, is selling three signature candles to celebrate the reopening of bars and restaurants across the U.S. and Canada. The trio of scents, Dive Bar, Beer Garden, and Game Day... Uh, give off specific aromas to get the buzz going uh, and also will pay it forward for a good cause. They're donating the proceeds to uh, charity. <laughs> Put a candle, light a candle when you get home from work. Uh, the What is the dive bar <laughs> candle smell like? I don't know. 
I'm a little afraid to find out, but Dive Bar, Beer Garden, and Game Day, these new scented candles from Miller Lite. I'm assuming you can order them online. I don't know. The story doesn't say, but that's what I am guessing. And the reason I bring that up, uh, that leads to this. Kind of an interesting story here, and I like this idea. It is a published report, a research paper, in the Journal of Studies on Alcohol and Drugs. Um... Dr. Brian Sofaletto notes that a that the, the sensors, uh, built-in sensors uh, in your cell phone uh, can actually be used for a greater good. You know, the motion detecting sensors, the GPS, and those, those kinds of the same ones that your smartwatch or your phone use to automatically detect when you start exercising, right? Uh, They can be used for a higher purpose. They can tip you off or tip others off around you when you have had a few too many. Dr. Sofaletto with Stanford University School of Medicine's Department of Emergency Medicine conducted a study where he was at the, when he was at the University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine a short time ago. His team studied lab subjects, and just from their phone's data alone, no other data input, just from the input of their phone, uh, their, their phone's uh, direction de- detecting sensors, they were able to detect which individuals had been drinking 90% of the time uh, thanks to their tipsy gait. And, you know, and the way they the way they walk when you've had one too many, you kind of stumble around and your phone can pick up on that. He called the scale, the uh, study small scale, but the study, nonetheless, he says, is a proof of concept that provides a foundation for future research on using smartphones to remotely detect alcohol related impairments. He believes that in five years, we will have a world in which if people go out with friends and drink to risky levels, they'll get an alert at the first sign of impairment along with strategies to help them uh, either stop drinking uh, at best or at worst, protect them from high risk activities like driving or interpersonal violence, unprotected sexual encounters All of those things, bad things that go along with impairment. He said, just think about it. We've got these powerful sensors that we carry around around with us wherever we go. If we can learn to use them to better serve public health, we can avoid an awful lot of uh, issues. I think it's brilliant. He says he was motivated by the loss of a friend to a drunk driving accident and his years as an ER physician treating related injuries. I just think that's all kinds of awesome right there. Some of the news that makes you go, hmm, this morning. My wife, Kyra, has joined us in the studio this morning. Um, We have a vacation planned a little bit later on this year. We have two. (laughs) Have a couple of them. Uh, One in uh, Gatlinburg. Uh, we were planning on going to, yes, to Gatlinburg uh, later on uh, this year, assuming that we'll be able to go Hopefully. Uh, with all of that. Everything will be uh, past this. Uh, so I saw this story on the Newswire. I thought you might be interested. A Georgia man, uh, while uh, uh, staying at his rental cab- cabin in the Gatlinburg area of Tennessee, uh, ended up with an unexpected guest. 
Uh, Todd Trebony, Trebony says that a black bear wandered onto the patio and jumped into the hot tub. <laughs> that's awesome. Not, but Are yes. Are you sure that's I don't awesome? Know. I love I, bears. I don't know that that's awesome. <laughs> Was he cuddling with me? I'm just saying, I don't know that that is. A, he captured it on video, posted it online. He said the bear eventually left on its own as he watched from inside. Oh. So thankfully was nobody was okay. in the uh, hot nobody tub at the time the when the uh, tub at the time. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I'm hey, just saying was, I I just want to, yeah. you know, put that out there. Yeah. Some so. bears like it hot, some bears like it cold. <laughs> <laughs> and this one is just right. Right. There we anyway. go. <clears throat> so I thought I would point that out just to, you know, okay. I saw that and I was like, gee, we're going Maybe to rent a cabin in Gatlinburg later. Maybe that's why you're supposed to put later. the top on every time. <laughs> I just saw that and I said, hey, we're going to be renting a cabin yes. in Gatlinburg uh, later this yes. year. So just fair warning. Just anyway, watch out for Kennedy. Again, that's my our, our granddaughter. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Um, anyway, uh, my wife Kyra has joined us in the uh, studio this morning. It is time for another collection of recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. Yay. And uh, we have a, a recipe, something new to try in your air fryer. Yes. I know this. that's like been the hot thing uh, here in the past uh, couple of months. It was a big gift item at Christmas yes. time. We got yep. a new air fryer for Christmas from my yep. dad. Yep. And um, you can do everything in this. We did last night some air fryer steak bites. Yeah, and they were really good. Yummy stuff. So. What you got here? So for the steak bites, uh, 16 ounce uh, top sirloin filet cut into bite-sized pieces, about one inch or so, mm-hmm. uh, one and a half tablespoons of olive oil, a half of tablespoon of brown sugar, one teaspoon of salt, a half a teaspoon of pepper, one teaspoon of paprika powder, a quarter teaspoon of garlic powder, and a quarter teaspoon of onion powder. And then for the garlic butter, it's one and a half tablespoons of butter, a quarter teaspoon of garlic powder, and a quarter teaspoon of parsley flakes. So in a bowl, mix the olive oil, the brown sugar, and all your spices. Then add the steak and stir um, until the steak is completely covered. And then just set that aside for a few minutes. Preheat your oven for about five minutes at 375. Once heated, add the steak to your basket we have one with the grill slate Mm -hmm. so i just put it on the grill slate okay um and then um air fry for four to five minutes to your desired uh doneness at about two minutes i flipped mine okay i flipped my steak um uh so it was kind of even uh with the grill yeah well Uh, same thing you would do on a grill Right. Yeah. Correct. So. Yeah. Sometimes in the air fryer, you don't have to do that, but I would still check it and maybe flip it. Yeah. Um, then cook. Um, and then once it's cooked, melt your butter, uh, mix your garlic and parsley, and toss with the finished steak and the garlic butter before serving. It is really easy, and it is really absolutely uh, yeah. yummy. Yes. You know, you can buy garlic butter, right? I mean, you could buy yeah. garlic butter. Yeah, you could. The nice thing about making your own is you can make it a little sharper or right. maybe a little less sharp, right. uh, depending on you know how garlicky how garlicky Garlic-y. you like your garlic butter yeah. yep. uh, to go along with the <laughs> lots of garlic that, today lots of garlic in this <laughs> uh, to go along with your air fryer straight steak bites you have uh, garlic shrooms yes mushrooms stop I <laughs> garlic love shrooms. shrooms I know four so with this the ingredients are four four tablespoons of butter one tablespoon of olive oil one pound of button mushrooms one and a half 
teaspoons of dried minced onion, one tablespoon of dried basil, one tablespoon of dried parsley, two tablespoons of minced garlic, and your salt and pepper for taste. So uh, instructions on this are really easy. Heat the butter and oil in a large pan or skillet over medium-high heat. Add your mushrooms. Cook for about four to five minutes, um, uh, kind of stir it around. Also, keep an eye on it uh, until golden brown and crisp on on the edges. Uh, then stir in your uh, onion, your basil, your parsley, and your garlic. Cook for another minute or so. Um, and then season with your salt and pepper to taste and done. There you go. The uh, garlic mushrooms, nothing could be easier. And yes. for dessert... We have a lemon strawberry poke cake. Yes. And I know you were big on poke cakes. Yes, I am. And and it's spring, and I was like, this is perfect. So we're getting there. So um, for the ingredients, it's just one lemon cake mix, a one 14-ounce can of sweetened condensed milk, a half a can, 10 ounce of your lemon pie filling, a one 21-ounce can of strawberry pie filling, one 8-ounce container of Cool Whip thawed, and then one and a half cup cup of diced strawberries. So preheat your um, oven to 350 degrees, spray a 9 by 13 pan with nonstick spray, make and bake the lemon cake mix according to the package directions. Let the cake cool for about five minutes or so, then use a wooden handle, yes. No, I was just going to say, this is the part that makes it a poke cake. Yes. In case yes. in case somebody is saying, well, what is a poke cake? Yeah. This so is you what take makes your wooden spoon that has a round um, um, handle and poke the cake. If you don't have that, if you've got any type of dowel rod or, or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, just something you just poke yeah, holes it's about, about in About a the cake. quarter inch round. Yeah. Yep, just to poke, um, poke holes in the cake. Then once you've poked the, the coals, holes in the cake, pour the sweetened condensed milk over top of the cake. Uh, let it soak into the holes, then spread your lemon pie filling on top of the cake uh, with a rubber spatula, and then let the cake cool for about an hour in the refrigerator um, until it's completely cool. Then once it's completely cool, pour the strawberry pie filling and it can on top, and then with a container of your Cool Whip, um, fold those two together. Put that on top of the cold cake and then sprinkle with the strawberries and on top. And then if you want to add some something cute to it also, like some sprinkles or some sprinkles. white chocolate, haha, <laughs> <laughs> or white chocolate shavings or yeah. anything like that, you can do that too. Sure, absolutely. And That's keep- a... That's yeah. a great spring yeah. cake yeah. right there. Keep the cake in the refrigerator. That's the thing. This yeah. is one of those that uh, typically, you know, you can keep right. the cake out yeah. on the counter this or whatever. One, this one yeah. you will want to refrigerate. Okay, so Definitely. Uh, there you go. The uh, air fryer steak bites, the garlic shrooms, and the lemon strawberry poke cake for dessert. A Make great in front of my spring. mushrooms. I'm not making yes, fun at all. Are. Not making fun at I all. I love mushrooms. Uh, the lemon strawberry <laughs> poke cake for dessert. Uh, great springtime dessert. You can do that with the other stuff or just make it by itself. Oh, yeah. It'd be a great to... <laughs> great dessert for a spring weekend yes there you go more recipes from kyra's kitchen this morning which we have linked up or posted rather on the we have posted on the uh, facebook page on the wfin uh, facebook page the recipes are posted and linked up 
at goodmornings.net. My wife, Kyra, thanks very much. You're welcome. And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. That, of course, is goodmornings.net. Coming up Monday, as states are clamoring to get students back into the classroom full time, what lessons have parents learned about remote learning over the past year? Some of the answers from a new survey might surprise you. So until Monday morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day, a great weekend, and we'll catch you back here next week. 